Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. We are teaching a series on the hands of Jesus. Jesus physically touched different people with his hands for different reasons. He touched many sick and suffering people and they were healed. He even touched a casket and a young man rose from the dead. There is something powerful about the touch of Jesus. Last week we talked about the hands that open blind eyes. Today the title is The Hands That Bless. And we always want to get the context. Whenever you study the Bible, you want to read the verses before it and afterward, after it. And so after it is it the experience of the rich young ruler who didn't want to give up his possessions to follow Jesus. And before that, Jesus was teaching on divorce and remarriage. So it's no wonder that after teaching on the importance of marriage, that he speaks about children. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Jesus laid his hands on the children and blessed them. And not only does Jesus bless children, how many know he blesses adults as well? Because we are his children. And there are certain things that put us into a place and position to be blessed by God. God wants to bless his kids. He especially wants to bless children. But there's, we have to be in a certain relationship with the Lord. We have to be in a certain place in our own life so that we can receive all the abundant blessings God has for us. First of all, number one, we are blessed when we bring people to Jesus and not rebuke them. How's that? People were bringing children to Jesus. The greatest thing we can do for kids is to bring them to the Lord. That's the greatest thing we can do. Of all the things we teach our kids growing up, that is the most important. That's why baby dedication is so important. Sunday school, children's ministries, it's vital that we bring our children to Jesus. The people and parents and maybe even grandparents just wanted Jesus to touch their kids. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want Jesus to touch your children or grandchildren? But the disciples rebuked the people, the parents and the grandparents, for even asking such a thing. Let's look at this word rebuke. It's interesting. It means to express strong disapproval or to command with the implication of a threat. So not only did the disciples rebuke the parents, he, they were, there was a subtle threat there. You know, probably from James and John because they liked calling down fire on people, you know. That, that was always their heart is to destroy people. The same word for rebuke is found in the story of blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was begging on the roadside in the town of Jericho when Jesus passed by. Let's pick that up in Mark 10, 46. When he, Bartimaeus, heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked, same Greek word, rebuked him 
and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And you know the rest of the story. Jesus healed him of his blindness. But once again, the people who needed Jesus the most were kept at a distance and were rebuked. In this case, it was children the disciples tried to keep from the Lord. But they, at other times, they were exclusive and, and tried to keep people from Jesus. My guess is that none of the disciples had children of their own. Right? It's so easy to raise children when you don't have any. I was an expert on parenting until I had kids, and then I realized I know nothing. And so even if the disciples did have kids, we know some of them were married. You know, at least Peter was married. It's always easier to rebuke someone else's kids than your own, right? Because my kids will never do that. They'll never turn out that way. But I want you to know that even if those disciples had kids, they, were, they had the wrong spirit. A society will be marked by how it, teach, it treats its children, both born and un unborn. Amen? Amen? A society will be marked by that and judged by that. And in our society today, there is a war for our children's innocence. Isn't it true? Can you believe what is going on in the world? They are trying to sexualize our children far too young because there's a, there's a method and there's a, there's a madness about it. It's intentional. And so we have to stand up, we have to speak up, and we have to protect our kids. This world's not safe. And so of all times, we want our kids to know Jesus more and more. The world is getting darker and darker and more dangerous. And so we, this is why it's so important that we bring our children to Jesus. As I mentioned in baby dedication, I believe that's a powerful ceremony where we have dedicated our children to the Lord. And I want you to understand, as your children get older, you'll have to look back to that day and remind yourself, I gave them to God, I'm going to trust God. Sometimes even though our children have been raised in the church, they become prodigals. And so we need to just remember that we gave them to the Lord, he will, he will, he will reach them and bring them home. Jesus warned what would happen to someone who harmed children. I believe children are being harmed by this, this teaching and this pressure. And so Jesus warned what would happen to those who harm children. Matthew 18, 5 and 6. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck, and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow. Does Jesus love children and care for children? It has often been proven that Christians come to faith as children more than any other age. By far, the, the vast majority of people who become believers do so as children. How many know we, we need to realize how important that is? The most important in ministry in the church is children's ministry. That's where the most salvations take place. And that's what changes lives, sometimes forever. And so I'm grateful that we have an excellent children's ministry and an excellent children's pastor. As Jeanette, Pastor Janelle was sharing, we just need more workers because the ministry is growing. And it's the most important ministry in the church. In the same way, we have an incredible Christian school, Stockdale Christian School. And we are seeing an influx in the school because parents are worried about what the world is teaching. And so we have two places that are safe for kids. 
and are discipling children. And I'm grateful for, for Jeff, our new head of school, and his vision and his passion for our school. When Jesus saw how his own disciples were treating children, he became indignant. Let's look up that word in the Greek. It means to feel irritation, to be vexed, annoyed, angry, discontented. That's how they made Jesus feel. The disciples made Jesus feel this way. And we see this same word used in Matthew 21, 14 through 16. Jesus was indignant about the disciples. And in this passage, the Pharisees are indignant about Jesus. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Verse 15, but when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David. Do you see the kids were involved in Palm Sunday? They were in the crowd shouting about Jesus. Hosanna, which means save us now. Hosanna to the son of David. The teachers of the law were indignant, same word. They were irritated, vexed, annoyed, and angry, and discontented. Verse 16, do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? How many of you know that it, I mean, even a child can praise the Lord? It's probably the most beautiful and the most pure is, a, is when children worship. Jesus was indignant about the right thing. The religious leaders were indignant about the wrong thing. The kids were involved on Palm Sunday, but the priests and the teachers of the law showed their ignorance. They didn't even know the own, their own Bible that they taught. God absolutely loves the praise from children. There's nothing more pure. And when the disciples were acting like the religious leaders, Jesus was not pleased with them. Let, let me share this from Wearsby Commentary. The phrase, much displeased, is too tame. Our Lord actually became indignant as he openly rebuked his disciples for standing in the way. Then he announced that the children were better kingdom examples than were the adults. We tell the children to behave like adults, but Jesus tells the adults to model themselves after the children. Now, isn't that interesting? Instead of hindering the children, the disciples should have helped them. They're trying to stop kids from coming to Jesus. My second point this morning is this. We are blessed when we help and not hinder. We are blessed when we help people come to Jesus and not be a hindrance and not be a stumbling block. How many of you know, as a church, we want to welcome anyone who does not know the Lord. We want them to come in and we understand that they will need to get saved and the Lord will, will purify them. You got to catch a fish before you clean it. Amen? Amen? At least that's what I do. I don't know about y'all, but... But that's so important. Let's just get them saved. Amen? Let's bring them in. Let them feel welcome. Every visitor, every guest that comes in here, let them feel welcome. Yes, they're sinners. We all were. But bring them in. Let's not do, let's not do anything as a church to hinder people from coming to Christ. No attitude, no action. Let it not be from us. Let this be the most welcoming place for unbelievers. For sinners, bring the sinners in so God can save them and set them free. 
Jesus told the disciples, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Stop trying to stop them. Now the disciples, they, God bless them, they were always getting it wrong. Just like us. They thought they knew better. Peter in one hand is calling Jesus the Messiah. And the next hand Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. Peter was notorious for saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. You know, he, he was one of those people when you get nervous, you just talk. Whatever comes out of your mouth, it doesn't even go to your brain. You're just, and that was Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. There was Jesus in all his glory. And Peter's like, we should make tents for everybody. What? What are you talking about? But that was Peter. It reminds me of a true story of a guest speaker at a church that I'm aware of. This guest speaker was comparing the Christian life and journey to weathered boats with frayed sails and barnacles on the hull. And about that time, two elderly ladies started walking down the center aisle, making their way to their seats. And the preacher motioned to these seasoned saints and commented off the cuff, look, here are two old boats with barnacles on their bottoms. <laughs> Needless to say, the service was over. <laughs> I've said things that I didn't mean to say from this pulpit. There was one time I asked our worship pastor to come and tinkle on the piano. It was at a different church. It didn't happen here. We're okay. But guess what? The service was over. The disciples would often put their foot in their mouth. Makes us feel good. We belong. Not only did they say the wrong things at the wrong time, they also hindered people that needed Jesus the most. From the Life Application Bible Notes, it says, Jesus was often criticized for spending too much time with the wrong people. Children, tax collectors, and sinners. And some, including the disciples, thought Jesus should be spending more time with important leaders and the devout. Because this was the way to improve his position and avoid criticism. But Jesus didn't need to improve his position. He was God. And he wanted to speak to those who needed him most. How I many know oh, we're already saved? But we need to reach those who are not. And we are, we are to make a, a church and ministries available because we're already saved. We're already going to heaven. It's, you know, church is not about us. It's about those who have yet to come. Jesus didn't cater to the rich and famous and powerful. He cared for the poor, the outcast, and the weak. You see, the kingdom of God is very different than the kingdoms of men. In the kingdoms of men, you have to earn your entrance and access in some way. You have to do the right things or have the right amount of money or, the, or the, enough influence. But the reality is we can't earn entrance and access to the kingdom of God. We can only receive it. I mean, you know, there's nothing you can do to earn the kingdom. All you can do is receive it. My third point this morning is this. We are blessed when we just receive the kingdom and not reject it or try to earn it. See, we have to humble ourselves if we're going to be in God's kingdom. The first will be last and the last will be first and the least will be greatest and the greatest will be least. Look at Matthew 18, verse 1. 
At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven will be the most humble. We have to change if we're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. If we're going to enter the kingdom of God, you've got to be like little children. We've got to change and be like little children. The Life Application Commentary says, Jesus explained that little children have the kind of faith and trust needed to enter the kingdom of God. Anyone of any age who exhibits their kind of faith and trust is promised access to Jesus and to the kingdom. Children represent the essence of discipleship, coming to Jesus in humility and receiving his blessing as a gift. Unless we can completely trust in God, we will never get into the kingdom of God. The way you get into God's kingdom is by believing in the king and receiving the Savior. Now we must clarify something, my fourth point and last point. We are blessed when we are childlike and not childish. Amen? Amen. There is a huge difference between the two. Some of us have thought Jesus said we need to be childish. That's not what he said. This is what it means to be childlike. From Wiersbe's commentary, we enter God's kingdom by faith. Like little children, helpless, unable to save ourselves, totally dependent on the mercy and grace of God. We enjoy God's kingdom by faith, believing that the Father loves us and will care for our daily needs. Kids, when I was growing up as a kid, I never worried if we were going to have enough food on the table. I never worried about the bank account because I knew my parents loved me and they, they worried about those things. They took care of those things. But as a kid, I never wondered if we'd have clothes. I never wondered if we'd had food because we trust God for our daily needs. Wouldn't it be great if all of us adults trusted God like children? Like children trust their parents, good parents, and we have a good, good father. What does a child do when he or she has a hurt or a problem? Take it to father and mother. What an example for us to follow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Yes, God wants us to be childlike, but not childish. So I'm not the only one saying that. And so what does that mean? What does it mean to be childish? We see what it means to be childlike, to have childlike faith, to have childlike trust. So what does it mean to be childish? Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. I mean, you know, as, as mature adults in the Lord, we are not to talk like a child or think like a child or reason like a child. We are to put childish things behind us, childish attitudes. So isn't it true sometimes we're childish? We get offended, we, we stomp our feet, we, we get upset over silly things. We, we have fear and we have doubt. We're scared of the dark like children. 
I mean, you know, as believers in Jesus Christ, we should not be afraid of anything or anyone. Jesus said all man can do is kill you. That's all they can do. But they can't take your, bo- your soul and spirit. They may be able to take your body. So we should fear nothing. Sometimes we're childish in our fear. And to enter the kingdom, we must be childlike. But to remain in the kingdom, we must put childish ways behind us. Here's another example of the difference between childlike and childish. 1 Corinthians 14.20 in the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. We should be like innocent children when it comes to evil. God God wants us to be innocent of evil. To, to not participate in it, to not experience it. He wants us to remain innocent as children. But we should be mature adults when it comes to our thinking and our reasoning and our understanding. We know God has brought us this far and he will bring us through. Whatever you're facing today, God is faithful. And you need to trust him like a child trusts a faithful parent. And not worry and, and not fi- be filled with anxiety But to know that God is faithful. He's the best father that has ever been. And he's our father. And it finally says, And Jesus took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. And this word for blessed is only used once in the entire New Testament. And it means super blessed. Or over the top blessed. Or blessed intensely. And so think of the disciples were trying to keep the children from getting a blessing, and so Jesus just doubled the blessing. I think we need to believe God for a double blessing, for his faithfulness. Would you bow your heads with me today? Close your eyes. Palm Sunday is a special day. It's when people said, Hosanna, save us. I want you to know that you cannot save yourself. There's no way you can earn your way to heaven. There's nothing you can do on your own to save yourself. That's why Jesus came and died and rose from the dead. And so we celebrate this day because people saw Jesus as the king, the savior, but a week later they're calling for his crucifixion. Things can change quickly. But today I just want to challenge you here If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is the day. What better time to to give your life to Christ than on Palm Sunday? Don't wait for Easter. Let's do it today. Let's be right with God. Let's be childlike in our faith. Let us trust him. Let's believe in him. Let's give him our life. Let's give him everything, every burden we have, every concern. And so if you're ready today to give your life to Jesus, I mean, give it all. You can't just give some of it. It's all or none you got to give it all. You give everything. And what's so awesome is if you give everything, he gives you back so much more than you could ever dream. And the greatest thing is forgiveness and eternal life. And so you may not understand everything and still have a lot to learn and grow in the Bible. But understand this. If you want to go to heaven, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. You have to give your life to him. 
You have to be like a child and trust him. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, or perhaps you have, but you know you're not where you belong, and you're ready to come back home, would you just slip up your hand? Anyone in this place, you want to give your life to Christ? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. And for those of you who raised your hands, thank you for your courage. It takes courage to raise your hand. And it also takes faith. And so I want to lead you in a prayer that will ensure your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ today. You can be sure today that if you were to die, you would go directly to heaven. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And those of you who are already believers, would you join with me as well? Join these new brothers and sisters in your family. Welcome them in. And so let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive your forgiveness. I receive you into my heart and life. And I receive heaven and eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I invite you to take the card in front of you and check that box that you accepted Jesus because we want to follow up with you. I want to challenge all of us. We have multiple tracks in the foyer to hand those out to people this week as we come up to Easter, inviting them to the services on Easter or any, any Bible-believing church. But we've got a bunch of tracks. Grab some. Give it to your neighbor. Give it to your coworkers. Give it to your friends. Give it to your enemies, bless God, especially. And so we're speaking of blessing, and we're going to sing about that blessing. But I want to speak this blessing over you. And I believe it is anointed because it comes from the scriptures. Aaron, the high priest, would speak this blessing over Israel. And I believe God's speaking this blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Receive this as a child. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.